Thanks for listening to the Journey Christian Church podcast. We're on a mission to make disciples who love God, love people, and serve the world. Our prayer is that this message encourages you today. And remember, Journey is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and through Jesus, anything is possible. I'm joined today by one of my favorite people and uh, certainly one of the most frequent golf partners I have. <laughs> That's right, exactly. Is, is Darren Key, what'd you shoot last time you played? Uh, probably not as good as you. Well, I did have a good round last time I was out, but we'll see how it goes uh, next time we get together to play. Darren and his uh, wife, Rachel, and uh, tell us your children's. I've got uh, Alex, yep. who is a junior in high school, Scarlett, yep. who is a sophomore in high school, and our twins, Amelia and Juliet, that are sixth graders this year. How long have you been a part of Journey Church? So I moved down here to Orlando in 1997, so 25 years. 25 years. Yeah. And of course, it was Lakeview Christian Church then. That's correct. Yes. Right. And and you came here to work for Christian Financial Resources. That's right. Right. Yes. Very good. We'll get into uh, more of that a little bit later on. The reason I asked Darren to join me today, number one, is you need to thank Mr. Key and his wife because everybody gets the book, The Quest, as you see on the table there. This is my copy. But uh, everybody, every household at Journey, Lake County, Apopka, and online, you make a request, and we will get you at no cost this uh, this little book Darren wrote called The Quest. So, Darren, thank you. You're welcome. Rachel, thank you. Tell us, uh, why did you write the book? Well, so you know, this year I turned 50. I got old. Wow. And so no I kidding. decided I finally had something to say. But um, <laughs> There's know. a lot of truth to that, by the way. <laughs> That's right. First, I had to decide, do we really need another Christian finance book? And what I've realized over the years is sometimes it's helpful to say, something that's been said a lot of times, but to say it in a new way. Yeah. And that's kind of what I felt like could happen with the quest. And, you know, John, I get to speak to tens of thousands of people every year in churches all across America. And I kept seeing that there were a lot of areas that people could learn um, in how to handle their money better. Yeah. And so the reason I call it the quest is my mom was a second grade school teacher in Kansas. Yeah. And she taught me a passion for stories. Okay. And so her favorite all-time story is The Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. um, she well, loved... you're Kansas. That's right, exactly. I mean, come on. That's right. And, you know, of course, she loved it because she wrote her college paper on it. It was her favorite. So it was her favorite book. It was her favorite movie. I remember when I was in middle school, I uh, did this book report project, and she had me create the Emerald City, and it was the most amazing book project. They probably still talk about it in my hometown. <laughs> um, but then also our house was just filled with Wizard of Oz items. So yeah. she just kind of instilled always in me this idea of quest stories. Mm -hmm. And I have thought for some time that our journey in this life of how to handle money is like a quest. Yeah. And if you know anything about a quest, there's four parts to a quest. Okay. So the first is you're going to go to places you've never been. Right. Secondly, you're going to encounter challenges that you've never faced. Mm -hmm. You're thirdly going to discover abilities you never used or never knew you had. Right. And fourthly, you're going to find something you never expected. Yeah. And so that was kind of the, the idea behind it. I love it. It's a great, great concept, great idea. And um, I that's part of why I love our church's name, Journey Christian Church. Journey, Quest, somewhat similar. That's right. So um, I love that. Well, Darren, um, you, you talked about the Yellow Brick Road, big Wizard of Oz fan, 
Um, to, and, and you related or compared God's word to the yellow brick road. Unpack that. Yeah, so the yellow brick road uh, is how Dorothy begins her quest to meet the Wizard of Oz right. in the Emerald City. Yeah. And you know what I find is people are always amazed at how God's word, even though it was written thousands of years ago, it's still got these timeless truths mm -hmm. that are practical for us today, even in 21st century America. And so as we wanna grow in our understanding of God's will of how to handle money, um, I think the Bible is just kind of like the yellow brick road to us. Right. One of the mistaken notions that I have found in churches in my 25 years of speaking is that a lot of people feel like giving is sacred, but spending, borrowing, saving, investing, that's secular. Yeah, yeah. And you know, a lot of Good churches, insight. they won't even talk about those other areas. That's right. why I love that you're willing to do this. But you know, we're stewards of all God's resources. Exactly. It's all sacred. Yeah. And so we're taught a lot in his word about handling money in those other areas. It may surprise you to learn. The Bible talks about the dangers of debt, mm -hmm. the importance of saving, mm -hmm. wisdom and in investing principles, teaching our kids, leaving a legacy. And God's word shares some hard truths about money too. Jesus tells us that God, for his reasons, entrusts various amounts to different people. Yeah. We learned that our heart matters when it comes to finances and that the love of the money is the root of all kinds of evil. Yeah. And all of those ideas and concepts you talk about in, uh, in, 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 in the book Quest, it's, uh, it's very well written and uh, I think you're going to enjoy reading it. I encourage you, you could, I mean, you could sit down in an hour, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's probably your thought. A lot of people read like, it on a plane ride. A lot of wisdom in the book on those different areas. Let's talk about one of those areas. You call it the debt dragon. Yeah, so one of my favorite quest stories as a kid was The Hobbit by J.R.R. Yeah. Tolkien. Yeah, I love that. Um, he was a Christian right? that was friends with a famous Christian apologist and writer, C.S. Yeah. Lewis. And in Tolkien's classic book, The Hobbit has to confront a dragon called Smog. And Smog, he uses a bunch of slithery speech to try to persuade The Hobbit to do what he wants and to get what he wants. And I sometimes think debt is like a slithery dragon mm -hmm. that is using our discontent to persuade us to do things that we will later regret. Yeah. And however, I don't think all debt is bad, just like I don't think every dragon is yeah. bad. And, and, and there, there were some things, uh, you're probably gonna say that now, but there are some other items that we use uh, in our life that aren't, bad, but they can be dangerous. That, that is correct. And that's what debt is, right? That's right. And you know, people are surprised when they read God's word that if you go back into Deuteronomy, God actually tells Israel, that although they're not gonna borrow, they're gonna be a lender to other countries. Yeah, right. And so if all debt is wrong, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense that God would have told them to be a lender. Now, I think without question, it's better to be debt free. Right. That's a blessing. But there's a lot in our culture attempting to drag us into debt. And in the book, I talk about a three-point test that you can use to see whether you're gonna borrow and whether it's bad debt or what I would call okay debt. A uh, great reason to read the book is to see if you might kind of guess what the three things that I think are okay debt are. And it's just a matter of my opinion on those three things. But I do wanna say this, John, because I know as a, as a guy that speaks in churches each weekend, if you are a person struggling with debt, there's a story I share in there from 2 Kings chapter four that can give you hope about a widow that was struggling. 
And I know you've preached that message before because I've heard it, Mm -hmm. Um, but we need to remind everyone, no matter what your situation of debt is, we serve a God of hope. Amen. And and, and who supplies uh, our needs even beyond what we uh, can imagine. And that's part of what that story in 2 Kings uh, uh, talks about. Um, You then shift from debt to saving and investing. And this is an area of passion for you because we've talked about it. And uh, part of the organization you run is a lot about investing. And I know you personally are a very good investor. So talk about some of your insights in that. So I grew up just outside of Kansas City, uh, close to where the Oregon Trail got started. And these pioneers, they'd pack up everything they owned, they'd put it in their covered wagon to go on their journey. And if you were going on that long journey, you had to make sure that you planned well. I mean, imagine if we did that today. I was thinking, you know, you and I, we'd have to put our golf clubs in our covered wagon. Absolutely. Uh, Or ship them ahead. That's right. Exactly. But each weekend when I'm traveling around the country trying to persuade families and businesses to plan well with what they put in their wagon as it relates to that journey with saving and investing. For me, it all starts with every family needs to make sure they have an emergency savings of six months. You know, in the book of Proverbs, we read that the ant is lifted up as a great example because it saves. If we go back to Genesis, we read about how Joseph is taught that there's in the times of abundance to save up because there's going to be a famine coming and how important that is. The peace that you have with an emergency fund, um, when you have that, it can just take away so much stress in your life. And plus, having cash also gives you a chance to take advantage of opportunities. And ideal, ideally, you, you think uh, six months of, emer- uh, of, of expenses in an emergency fund? That's right. That's that's really where we want to try to get people yeah. to. Now, you, you, you were alluding to not just emergency uh, funds, but opportunity funds. Yeah. Explain that. Yeah, because sometimes you're, what you're going to have is you're going to have a chance to take advantage of maybe making an investment. Yeah. Maybe the market's really tanked or maybe a property has come available or something like that. Or maybe there's a need that you're going to be able to help, which we're going to talk about giving a little bit later, I know. So yeah, there's a lot of great things with the opportunity. But then investing is also talked about the Bible, not just saving. And there's a lot of wisdom in there about investing. One of the things we learn is to don't, we should not be pursuing get rich quick schemes. And instead, what we're taught in Proverbs is steady plotting brings prosperity. Uh, one almost, of the most, almost like steady interest from CFR, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So one of the uh, wealthiest men ever lived was Solomon. Yep, yeah, and he shares the wisdom of diversification, and when investing. And you know, I remember when I was uh, helping families back in in March of 2000 when the tech bubble burst, and mm. people had all their eggs in one basket, and that all burst. And we shouldn't do that. Plus, we're also taught uh, to not. Uh, to be careful, I guess, around greedy people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times what that is today is it's financial advisors that are charging really high commissions and fees. And they take advantage of people. I, I've seen some real horror stories in 25 years watching people and especially seniors that have gotten fleeced by uh, fees. Yeah. All right. We, you you kind of mentioned a little bit, and I don't, I don't know if this was personally written for me or not, but you mentioned some views on retirement. And... Um, I'm, I'm going to be semi-retired next year, not going to be fully retired. I always want to remind people that. It's kind of a, a new term I've learned is hybrid retirements. But, but you, you do make an appeal in the book to 
for, for seniors to use their golden experiences, not just their golden years, but their golden experiences, because there's a lot, right? That's right. First, I was going to tell you, don't, don't do it, but you know, just <laughs> kidding. I want you, you know, I want you to enjoy your times. However, I'm going to get this guy speaking in churches across the country because he's got a lot of wealth of wisdom to share. But I do believe we need to plan for a time when we might earn less yeah. uh, or perhaps even nothing from a job one day. Right. However, we need to be very careful about worshiping at the idol of retirement as the goal of our stewardship quest. Yeah. If you read a lot of American financial literature, sadly, what you're going to see most financial advisors focus on as the ultimate reason for wealth is retirement. And there's a famous pastor that I love his quote, what John Wesley said. He said, earn all you can, give all you can, save all you can. I want to say a little more about him later on. Uh, today too. Well, I, one of the things there, there's a, there's another book that I've uh, utilized about aging, and they have a great section in that book about retirement. And the phrase is, it's not about retirement from; it's retirement for. Mm -hmm. So you're not just retiring from something; you're retiring for something, and and figuring out what that is next. And, and using the wealth uh, of knowledge, of wisdom, and maybe even your financial wealth as that's well right. to, to, to invest in others. That's, that's good. So I, uh, I appreciated that, even if it was a little personal. Um, in chapter four, you go through three types of givers. And, and Darren, part of what we're doing in this series, Prepare the Way, is we're talking about how we can help prepare for a succession between myself and Pastor Dustin. And uh, we're doing our best over these last 90 days of this year to gather up some resources and to ask people to give generously, to ask some people who've never uh, given at all to start their giving journey, start your financial quest. We're gonna ask some people to take the tithe challenge over the next 90 days. And we're gonna ask some people who have the margin to do to make your most generous gift you've ever made to journey. Um, in uh, during this time. In fact, we, we we have a matching gift that over the next three weeks that uh, we are hoping that uh, there are going to be some funds given and they're going to be matched up to a certain point. I'll talk more about that uh, ne next Sunday with you. But part of preparing the way, Darren, people can't give unless they do some of these things in this book People feel guilty. They want to give. They can't give. So that's why it's important to talk about debt. It's important to talk about saving and investing, all that, because I, I think at the heart of every person, particularly any follower of Jesus, they want to give. So talk about some of the givers. Yeah. So one of the ways we demonstrate we are made in the image of God is by being a giver. If you think about it, God gave us the creation. Mm -hmm. He gave us his son. He gave us our abilities yeah. and he gives us every breath that we take right. um, to generate the wealth. So the first thing we need to always remember, we need to be givers like God. Yeah. Uh, sadly, some people have never started their giving journey, like right. you said. Yeah. And we find that in a lot of our churches, it's about a quarter to half the people yeah. are not giving, sadly. It, it, and and it does, it's always amazing when people in churches hear that. Yes. 
And so if you've not started giving, that's a great step on your quest. For those of you that have started giving, I talk about three different levels in the book of giving. So for me, the first level is a giver. That's someone that gives something all the way up to a person that's a tither, giving 10%, which is fantastic. We love seeing people have that as part of their journey. But then there's a level beyond that where we talk about a generous giver. And in scripture, what you read is you find that there are people that were bringing their tithes and offerings. So they would give their tithe to the church and then they would give other offerings to the poor and other things and other ministries uh, that existed. So I think that's a great challenge for some people to move to that next level. But then there's a third level and it's what I call a radical giver. And Jesus tells us about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was so impacted by meeting Jesus, he gave half of what he owned to help the poor, plus he paid back four times to the people he had cheated as a tax collector. I've only met a few of these radical givers in my travel around the country, and I can tell you, John, they are truly inspiring. Um, I've met people that have signed over their entire business to their giving funds. Mm. I have met people that have created a finish line where they give everything away above a certain modest lifestyle. And there's a story I talk about in the book um, from Panama City in 2017. It's uh, from Roberta Ursray and her family. They were out enjoying the beach one afternoon and suddenly she noticed that her boys were getting further from the shore than really seemed safe. And so she walked down to the beach to call them and she started hearing that they were screaming. They'd been caught up in a riptide. So Roberta's instinct was to dive in, go in after them, but everyone was warning her that's going to endanger her life. But, you know, she's a mom. She couldn't just stand there and watch her family drown. So she ran. She dove into the water. Well, predictably, she got caught up into the riptide, and it appeared the entire family might drown. Well, that's when Jessica Simmons, who was with her husband, they were enjoying a nice little beach meal that day right there nearby, and she realized what was happening, and she sprang into action. She got together a whole bunch of strangers from all over the beach there. They created this human chain of dozens of people that stretched from the beach all the way to the Ursray family, and they ended up being able to rescue them. The whole family. The whole family. That story to me is powerful on a lot of levels because it shows the life-changing power of what happens when strangers combine their efforts. And I think that's what happens when we, as people here at Journey, give to Journey, we're able to impact people we aren't even gonna know to change lives for Jesus. It's a great picture of the church, Darren, because not everybody in that human chain is the same strength, the same size, right? and they're not, expected to be like the person next to them, but they're expected to do what they can do, right? Exactly. Great picture. All right. I appreciated, Darren, your reference in the book to the baton passing because we've used that image here in our succession as uh, I literally passed the baton of leadership, the lead pastor uh, role to to Pastor Dustin. But you talk about that from um, uh, teaching your children and the importance of teaching your children, and along with that, creating a legacy plan. That's right. As well. So when I've taken small groups through the book, I ask them this question, and I want every one of you to think about this. What grade would you give your parents on how they taught you to handle money from God's perspective. Mm. I've taught that in a lot of seminars and I'll tell you the most common grades that I hear are D's and F's. Yeah. Yeah. Then if you're a parent, 
I would ask you, what grade would you give yourself on how you've taught your kids? A lot of times I hear B's and C's there. The good news is there are more resources than ever before, but you still have to be intentional. Yeah. You know, I've done some strategies with my four kids, like I make them pay for things once they turn 12 years old. Um, they have to pay for their haircuts, their clothes, beverages if they want to get something when they eat out to start to learn the value of money. Yeah. Uh, help them buy their first stock when they turn 13. Uh, I make a big deal out of their first uh, big gift to exactly. their church. Exactly. We saw that uh, with your son Alex recently yeah. here. So the past few years, I've taught a class at my kid's high school on finance, and I love seeing how engaged those students are about wanting to learn about how to handle money from God's perspective. And so I even took my four kids through this book. We did it over five sessions, and I will tell you, as a dad, it was probably some of the best spiritual discussions we've ever had. Mm. Yeah, that's so important. Uh, and, and the scripture has so much to say about teaching your children financially as well, and not only modeling, but but, but teaching as well. So that's uh, that's so important. Darren, uh, from a legacy viewpoint, just, j- just trying to help people understand um, probably the best end gift you can give is a well-thought-out estate plan. That's exactly right. And your right. ministry, CFR, does a great job of helping people, and you've helped several people a journey uh, with a legacy plan. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so on October 25th, we're October actually going to be having another yep. legacy seminar here at Journeys. Here at Journey. Yep. yep, since Journey is a CFR partner church, anyone can get a no-cost will or trust created or updated. You know, we spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in our ministry to make that happen, and we love saving families money and making them think through this. So I'm a history buff, and one of my favorite times of history is the Gilded Age. Uh, One of the stories that did not make the book is the story of the Vanderbilts. Uh, Some of you may have been to the Biltmore Estate in North Carolina, or maybe the summer cottage called the Breakers in Newport, Rhode Island. But Cornelius Vanderbilt, he was a railroad tycoon that died in 1877 with a net worth to his heirs that would be worth today about $300 billion. Wow. Well, within 50 years, it was mostly gone. That's just staggering for me to imagine. As a newspaper wrote at the time, the Vanderbilt case is an impressive lesson in the folly of attempting to found a family upon no better basis than the possession of money. Many people don't have a legacy plan. Some need to update their legacy plan and others need to completely reconsider their legacy plan since it's not based on leaving a God-honoring legacy. I mentioned earlier a famous Methodist minister the founder, John Wesley. Mm-hmm. John Wesley also made a nice income in his life, although not as much as Cornelius Vanderbilt. <laughs> but when he was carried to his grave, John Wesley left behind a good library of books, a well-worn preacher outfit, and 135,000 members and 541 preachers of the Methodist Church. Generations later, some of those future members that started their spiritual journey in that group of churches included my mom's side of the family, and now I lead a ministry that impacts hundreds of thousands of more people through projects all across America. Yeah. That's a legacy. That's a legacy. Also, my legacy as well. I grew up in, I, in I a little Methodist church in Kentucky, so uh, huge, uh, huge legacy. Well, that's so important. Again, remember that date, October 25th. We'd love to help you with that. They, they do a great job uh, from uh, CFR and, and who they partner with to, to help you uh, really uh, think these things through. Darren, uh, as we kind of wrap this up, give us uh, uh, some final thoughts 
other ways perhaps uh, CFR can, uh, can can help our families and just uh, what what you hope uh, people take away from the book. Yeah, so well, first of all, I always gotta say thank you to Journey because our ministry was founded here back in 1980. Um, we can't do what we do without the families at Journey that partner with us to be able to fund projects all over the country. Yeah, think about that, Journey. Here's a here's a ministry that started out of Lakeview Christian, which became Journey in 1980, $1.2 billion in uh, loans to churches all across the United States of America just th that came out of that little living room of Grant and Jean Mueller in 1969 uh, uh, to become Journey Christian Church. That's right. So if you're already a partner, thank you. If you're not, we'd love to have you join with us. Four ways, you've heard me talk about them before you can do that. First is for everyone. If you've got that emergency fund, you can open up a ready access savings at CFR. You can link it to your local bank checking account. You get to earn two and a half percent and you're funding all these awesome churches across the country. Secondly, is just for some people, some people have got more than that level of savings or maybe they even have an old retirement account from a job they left. You can earn an interest rate of 3.1 to 3.7% in one of our certificates, and you get to still know your funding ministry and changing lives. The third way is for a few people, and it's for families that give away more than $10,000 a year. They can open up what's called a giving fund at CFR, do all their giving to Journey, plus any other ministries right. that, that they support. There are some massive tax advantages by doing your giving through a giving fund. There's a lot of families here at Journey that should be giving stock or other appreciated assets to a giving fund and then giving it to journey and whatever other ministries they support. And then the final way is for just for retirees. If you're a retiree, you can actually earn higher rates through one of our charitable uh, gift annuity or charitable trust programs that pays five to 9% and you get to leave a legacy and get some big tax advantages. So hopefully you picked up one of these when you walked in. Uh, you can text CFR to the number on the screen or come see one of our team members after service. We'll give you a packet you can take home and read. But I just wanna say thank you so much, Journey, for being an awesome partner. So Darren, in closing, what do you hope people do after reading this book? Yeah, so whenever I sign books, uh, I write my life calling verse, 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19, and I write a little acrostic, me for G, mm. and it stands for manage everything for God. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to see every person being strategic with whatever God has entrusted to them to make an eternal difference. Mm. At a minimum, I hope every person takes some step on their stewardship quest after reading this book. If you do, I would love for you to email me. My email is in the end of the book. Right. It has been so satisfying reading all these different responses from people across the country, hearing the step that they took. Because one day, what I hope every one of us is gonna hear is the creator of all things saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Mm. Well, one of the things that we say at Journey is there's always a next step to take when you're following Jesus. And uh, that's true in a lot of ways. I know there's some folks right now that maybe need to take a, a step uh, coming for prayer. We're gonna give you an opportunity to do that. Maybe you wanna serve, maybe uh, you wanna uh, sign up for to serve in a ministry, but taking that financial step, taking one of these steps that you've outlined in the book, Quest, is, uh, is so important. So I just wanna pray right now. I wanna pray for you 
And I want to pray uh, that uh, the Lord will help us take these next steps. Father, thank you for my friend Darren. Thank you for the opportunity we've had just to come together today to just reflect on the wisdom and the, the thorough biblical soundness that you've uh, imparted to him that he shares uh, with so many in the book, The Quest. And as he said, he just wants, to, wants people to take that next step, whatever that looks like. And that's what we pray for every time we come together at Journey, that people will take that next step of whatever it looks like in following Jesus, whether it's financial, whether it's emotional, whether it's spiritual, whatever that may be, whether it's serving. Uh, Father, we just, uh, we, we just pray for that right now. May we continue to be faithful in following you, Jesus, taking next steps as you lead us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you like this podcast, we post a new message every week. So make sure to click that follow button and share it with your friends. Remember, Journey is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and through Jesus, anything is possible.